Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The date was January 10, 2021. It was a cold night with a slight fog outside my hometown of Tunkhannock in northeast Pennsylvania. Many nights I like to take long walks in order to clear my mind from the busy day. I walked on the rural road by this large patch of woods not far from my home. On my right is an old building with two small wooden houses beside it. As I'm looking, I notice movement. Then I see an eight to ten foot pale white figure briskly walk across the road from one of the houses to the woods about fifty feet from me. I know I saw something, so I quickly continue forward. Whatever it was, I wanted nothing to do with it, and I now wanted to get home as fast as possible. A minute or two later, I look up. Again, I see this pale figure that is now on all fours, but still five feet tall at the shoulder. It is about 100 feet in the woods to the left of me. It had bleached white skin, a bald head, and huge black eyes. It had a human face and body, except it looked extremely emaciated. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, 
rotated, and in its arms were like super long. It started to sway its body back and forth like a mantis. This is when I ran as fast as I could. I only looked back after I ran for a solid five minutes, and I don't believe it had chased me. I was very close to home, and I was concerned that this pale humanoid was lurking about so near to where I live. I have no idea what I saw, but I know that it was real, not an apparition. I know that you have written a book about these pale humanoids, and I wonder if this may be what you described as a crawler. Thanks. Not my story, but actually a friend of mine who's a ranger, also fisherman, and has been in the woods, lakes and mountains of the northwest since he was at least five or six. He is an expert tracker and woodsman and lifelong outdoorsman. He's never really been scared of anything in the woods. He is an expert with a sidearm and also prides himself in having a black belt and a kettle. He has no fear or hesitation about any situation, especially in the woods, but he has seen some weird stuff, but nothing to make him hesitate, let alone fear. So this is a story he told me and has given me full permission to share with you. One day late afternoon, he was on a solo camp out in this Cascade foothills, about an hour's or so drive from Seattle. He had been fishing a favorite creek, then hiking clear around the base of a tall mountain, then back to his camp. It was late afternoon, the light was beginning to fade, and he was starting to get ready to cook his dinner. He heard a noise off to his left on a game trail that went down to the side of the mountain and back to a creek. He turned around and saw a large, hairy biped, walking on two legs, moving quickly away from him down the trail. He could see that it was making a deep rumbling noise, almost like it had a cold or a really bad wet sinus cough, as he described it. It had long or dark brown-black hair and was huge, easily seven feet tall, if not larger, and very wide shoulders, big arms, and long legs. He claims it did not look like a bear, but it, it did look like a big, hairy, giant ape. But he said it moved quickly off, and he never saw it at least that fully again. He thought it was a bear until later when he was making camp. He found a young doe carcass, but the carcass was ripped apart. No real blood on the carcass or the ground. He said it reminded him of a grizzly kill, but the legs were twisted backwards. He said it looked like a bear kill, but that it looked like something had twisted the legs to change the way the deer's body was positioned. It disturbed him the kill is also fresh and no more than a day or two old. He had a small fire going, and it was now getting dark. He had his pistol out and was looking around. Then he almost heard a swap noise behind him. He turned around and sees these big dark red eyes, like cat's eyes, in the tree above his head. He said it looked like the eyes were on a large scale, like the way a bird's eyes are. But it was red, not yellow. He said it was more similar to that of a cat's eyes because it was the size. He said it had to have been at least ten feet off the ground between him and this thing. He'd been there for only about an hour, and he never noticed these eyes before. He couldn't really see any shape behind the eye, but in a spot where there's likely no perch to have a bird. It was just staying there without moving. He said it was on the same side as the tree is the game trail where earlier he saw the big hairy biped walking. 
He had no desire to make eye contact for very long, so he turned his back on this red eye and went back to making dinner. He said he wanted to exit the situation and did not want to stare into these eyes in case he was trying to communicate with him. He heard a low rumbling growl from behind him. Something hit his tent, then left. He said it hit the tent hard enough to shake it, and he heard footsteps like something running away fast. He knew at this point it wasn't a bear or any other normal animal in the woods because had they been doing this, he would have known exactly what they were. He somehow stayed calm and remained as calm as he could. He said he had a hard time falling asleep, but when he finally fell asleep, he was awakened by the thing growling, grunting, and making a deep rattling noise like it had a cold, and he said you could smell it too. He described it as a fecal, sweaty, rotten, cheese skunk smell. It was terrible. When he reflects back on this, he believes this thing got more and more aggressive gradually because it would not leave his territory, but he's uncertain because at the time he didn't feel any fear of this big, hairy biped, that it was angry. It woke him up at about 2.30 in the morning, and he said it left again, making the noise, and after that he never saw, ever heard it again. Once daylight came, he went to check out the area where he saw it the night previous. He said there were two different trails in the area, and they intersected at the spot where he saw the two red eyes the night before. He said it was the same side where he found the dead deer, which was now missing the dead doe carcass. He said the trail was similar to that of a game trail, but it looked more like a person had cleared it, which was probably not possible since he was kind of way out there, and this is when he was able to get a more accurate measure of where the eyes were on the tree. He said it was easily probably about ten feet up, means whatever was watching him was standing right behind the large tree. He had zero desire to meet whatever this was at that point, so he decided enough was enough and to pack his things and leave. He said that he was not a believer before the encounter, but now he definitely is. He doesn't see any way that it could have been a hoax or a mistake or misidentification. Remember, he's been in the woods a long time and has spent much time in the outdoors. He's anybody who should have a respectable opinion and enough to know that he's an expert. And now that he's getting a little older, he doesn't go into the woods as much anymore and also retired as a park ranger for the time being. I'm an officer here in the Philippines. I would like to share with you my very own story. I'm stationed in a small town in the island of Mindanao. It was a small town with very few residences. It was a quiet and peaceful place, only a few cases of criminal activity are even reported monthly. On the night of November 1st, 2005, we received a rather peculiar case. It was about a sighting of some unknown entity near a local cemetery. Usually the cases that we get to are robberies, street fights, and once a month we'll get a murder. But once in a blue moon we'll get a case about something supernatural. Now before the prior sighting of the unknown entity, seven children between the ages of five and nine have now been reported missing in the past few weeks. It was a case we have no leads on or any clues except that they mysteriously disappeared near said place near the cemetery. They were part of the families that lived near the cemetery. In the Philippines, kidnappers are notorious in some places. 
They would take children who look healthy and would sell their organs and maybe child traffickers. The timing was also in line with All Souls Day. We Filipinos are superstitious people, so the town people were quite alarmed about the incident. The entity that was linked to the missing children, and as soon as the word got out, many believed the culprit was none other than this mysterious entity in question. Many experts in terms of the supernatural claims that the entity was eating the young souls of children, and many people swarmed the precinct, requesting a very active investigation. I was one of the dispatched police assigned to investigate said case, just to show that we listened to the people, and also, maybe we'll find a clue of this time, who's behind it, the real culprit behind the missing child. Personally, I don't believe in all that. While I do have a strong faith in God, and I'm a Christian, that's it. Anyway, it was now the next morning, November 2nd, 2005, and the two of us were sent to investigate the scene. When we got there, people are surrounded by the tree beside the cemetery. It was the same entity we had been seeing nearby. By the way, the witnesses claimed that the entity was a maligno or a malevolent spirit. These spirits live in mounds, rocks, or trees. They described this spirit having long, slender spider arms, a big, hairy body, one eye, no mouth and ears, and a long tail. They claimed to try to drag a child inside the cemetery at night, the night of November 1st. This is the spot where it happened, and people are scarce. We already tried to talk to the child, but the parents won't let us say they are adamant while keeping their children inside. This is why they surrounded it with salt, and anyone beside a family member was simply not allowed to enter. We had gone to the place where it happened after looking around. We couldn't find any clues. We stayed and surveyed the area. We went back at noon after finding nothing. Then, when 7 p.m. struck, we received yet another call that the entity showed up once again. So and me and the other officers went there and found people panicking. It was All Souls Day, so people were visiting the grave of a family during the incident. People were pushing each other, causing injuries. We got to the site where the entity was seen, and there were people pointing towards an old tree. They're saying that it appeared near, but then disappeared immediately. We firmly took control of the situation, made people clear out of the area. The town officials also showed up and were notified. They helped people calm down, and me and other officers split up to try and find clues. Perhaps this could just be a prank. I went towards a less populated area or place where less gravestones were. It could be where the culprit would run to. I thought I was carefully advancing, when all of a sudden I saw a shadow in my peripheral vision in my left eye immediately. I turned towards it, but there's nothing, and I felt something tugging my leg before falling forward. I was caught off guard and easily losing my balance. I hit the ground hard. I was able to use my hands to stop myself before my face hit the ground. I was about to stand when I was dragged by my left foot quite hard. I could feel my feet being clasped by something big and rough. I could feel the texture beneath the cloth, and it hurt so much at the moment. My heart was racing, and my thoughts were jumbled. I couldn't explain it, but at that moment it felt like I was in a sleep paralysis. I felt so much negative energy. I couldn't move. I knew this wasn't normal. I was aware of my surroundings, but it felt like something heavy was on my chest at the time. I knew I had simply encountered the maligno. 
I felt like I was dragged for a long time when suddenly I woke up and found myself lying on the ground. I was unresponsive towards whatever happened prior just staring blankly at the sky. I still remember that I had no thoughts at the moment. I tried to stand but found myself unable to. My left foot was bruised and swollen again at the time. I knew it hurt. I could feel it hurting, but my mind was unresponsive. After not being able to stand, I sat on the ground like I was mindless. It didn't take long before I felt normal again. I didn't know how long I was sitting there. I don't remember after the feeling of being aware came back. I called for backup while looking around panicking and praying out loud. After a while, my colleague arrived, but I still didn't feel secure. I wanted to get out of there. Years already passed, and I still remember that one night very vividly. I was so helpless. I couldn't even look at the malignant. I thought to myself, always maybe that's what the children felt, that they were no sign of a struggle. I can't express or explain how scary the experience was. I told my story to others already, and some believe while others did not. The missing children were not found. No culprit was apprehended. Also, all the trees in and near the cemetery were cut down. No children went missing again. I was just a regular police officer in Montana, working the night shift at the station, when I stumbled upon a strange document in one of the evidence cases. It was a classified document that outlined the existence of over 20,000 cryptids in the United States alone. At first, I couldn't believe what I was reading. Cryptids, monsters, and other paranormal entities were thought to be nothing more than legends and myths. But as I dug deeper into the document, my skepticism turned to shock as I realized that one of the cryptid encounters involved my own son, who had died on a police job. I ripped the document out of the case file, not wanting anyone else to see it, and headed home. I couldn't get the image of my son out of my head, and I was desperate for answers. I tried to find a place where one of the sightings had happened, and the next day I headed out to the woods of a national park, determined to find out the truth about what had happened to my son. As I analyzed the spot, I couldn't shake the feeling that I was being watched. The woods were eerily quiet, and I couldn't shake the feeling that something was out there, lurking in the shadows. I heard rustling in the leaves, and my heart began to race as I went to investigate. And then I saw it. The creature was massive, towering over me as it let out a deafening roar. It was a Sasquatch, and I was in awe of the creature standing before me. It was like nothing I had ever seen before. But as I tried to film it with my camera, I realized that it was broken. The Sasquatch quickly fled into the woods, and I was left standing there, my mind racing with thoughts and questions. I knew that I had to find out more about my son's death, and I was determined to get to the bottom of it. I spent the next few days researching the cryptids, trying to find any information I could about the creature that I had seen in the woods. But the more I learned, the more I realized that there was so much that we still didn't know about these creatures. I started to piece together what had happened to my son. He'd been on patrol in the park when he encountered the same Sasquatch that I had seen. It was a violent encounter, and my son didn't stand a chance against the massive creature. It was clear that the Sasquatch had killed him, and that the park rangers had covered it up, classifying it as an animal attack. 
I was filled with anger and grief, knowing that my son's death had been covered up, and that the creature that had killed him was still out there. I couldn't let this go. I had to do something. I decided to go back to the park, determined to find the Sasquatch and avenge my son's death. I set out into the woods, armed with nothing but my determination and my trusty hunting rifle. I knew that this would be a dangerous task, but I was willing to risk it all to bring my son's killer to justice. As I ventured deeper into the woods, I tried to find it, but alas, he was nowhere to be found. So as I walked out of the wood, I couldn't shake the feeling that there was still so much out there that I didn't know. I couldn't help but wonder what other secrets the wilderness held and what other creatures were out there waiting to be discovered. Sorry, my son, for not avenging you. It was mid-November 2020. Juan and me and about ten friends were camping in the woods in the Sawtooth National Forest near Petite Lake. There were two groups of four people in two tents, and one in a car, and me and my buddy were in hammocks near the edge of the camp. It's about 1 a.m., and we all had been sleeping for about two hours. I wake up to my hammock mate, panting extremely heavily and yelling my name. I am confused and get up and help him. He is paralyzed by fear. He said that he had an extremely vivid dream, that there was a black figure tall and slender trying to break into his car after he had seen this figure decapitate me and the rest of his friends. He said that he woke up to the figure near the car and saw all of our heads stuck on sticks throughout the camp. He proceeded. He said to click the car alarm button, and the figure began to run circles around the car in the stop, then dashed off extremely quickly into the woods. I was obviously freaked out at this point, and I immediately felt very uneasy. But I told him it was just a bad dream and that he needs to go back to sleep. Him and I tried for about five minutes, both stricken with fear at this point, when we hear our friend in the tent begin to yell, No, no, don't take me. Sad note, we had not awoken anyone else in the camp at this point. This freaked me and my buddy out quite a bit because we had no idea what was going on. We were also very vulnerable in our hammock by ourselves on the edge of our about 50 yard across camp. Our buddies' yells proceed to wake up most of the rest of the camp. And we find out that our friend in the car that my buddy said click the car alarm of was awake. So all of us scared and awake have a conversation about what is going on, and the buddy in the car says that he heard scratching on the window and heard something pull the door. He also said that he had seen the black figure running around the car as well. We were all freaked at this point and decided to move into the same tent. Our friend with a dream also claimed a similar murder story to the friend in the hammock. The next morning we all talked and so many of us experienced what happened that night, six in total, that we determined that it must have been some sort of being that was giving us nightmares. We called it a windy go, but we have no idea. Also, we had friends that stayed at the same site about six months earlier, and a few of them did notice weird things happening at camp at night, like feelings of being watched or feeling of a being walking around their tent. Strange stuff in the Idaho mountains. What does this sound like, and what do y'all think? My mom lives in Sun Valley. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. In one of the last neighborhoods at the base of the Sawtooth Mountain Range. So to give a better idea, it's past Sun Valley Ski Resort on your way to Stanley Redfish Lake area, but a bit before Smiley Creek Lodge. Anyways, the house sits next to the road with a tree line in front of it, and across the way is wooded area with a small river running through it. My husband and I would spend many nights on the front porch with his mom, as she doesn't sleep much and occasionally would sleep in the trailer out front. And every time you'd get this horribly uneasy feeling that something was watching you. There's plenty of wildlife out there, deer, elk, bears, raccoons, etc., that would come into the yard at night. But this being watched, feeling always made you scan the trees. Like something was hiding in the trees, just watching us waiting. The most notable times, it'd be the middle of summer, no wind, and you'd hear the trees rushing and see them moving as if something was moving in them, and we'd see a much darker figure moving about them. Tall Slender, if you ever heard of Slender. Man, this is where I can most relate the figure to. The nights we'd sleep in the trailer, you could hear something tapping on the doors and windows we'd blame the trees. But the trees honestly weren't close enough to tap like that. And her dog would always run to the same spot in the front yard, backyard, and garage, and just start barking like there was an intruder every night. Sometime when you'd go to get the dog to stop barking, you'd hear something in the distance move off quickly. It would try to brush it off as wildlife, but it was always the same places, and it would be the darkest areas. Pretty sure the dog saw something we didn't. I've had other experiences with the dreaded feeling of being watched or followed and seeing a tall, slender shape amongst the trees, both in the Sawtooth Mountain Range, the South Hills' most creepy experience there, and my own neighborhoods in town. I really believe Idaho is full of cryptic, unknown creatures simply because of the emptiness and all the strangeness that Idaho seems to harness. Totally believe you guys ended up camping in something's home, and you were not welcome. Glad everyone is okay. I was filling in at O'Hare Fire Station, too, on the July 4th, 2022 weekend. We were outside in the patio area talking and watching the distant fireworks display. As we talked, we heard what sounded like a very loud screeching noise. It sounded like the brakes on a large truck. We didn't pay it any mind because it was probably a semi or airport maintenance vehicle that was nearby. There is a cargo terminal within sight of the station, so we didn't give it a second thought until we heard a series of clicks, rapid, loud clicking followed by that sound again. It was then that one of the other guys saw something and said, Will UTF is that? We looked up to see a figure in the sky. It looked like a human with wings, and it had a pair of bright orange eyes. One of the firefighters said it was the infamous Batman and said it was seen all over the airport, 
and the surrounding suburb. It was only visible for about five seconds before it flew out of sight toward the north. I haven't spoken about these events to anyone since they've happened to me over a decade ago, honestly closer to 15 years. I am now a 30-year-old man, and what I experienced in Red Ash, Carryville, Tennessee, happened to me when I was about 15 or near 16 years old. Red Ash is a small area off Interstate 75 running through Campbell County, Tennessee, the county where I was born and raised and still reside in now. Red Ash was established over a hundred years ago as a little mining province, but is now defined as the land between Red Ash Cemetery and Red Ash Baptist Church off of Old Tennessee Highway, 63, and if you go Googling it, you'll see that it has a reputation of arguably being one of the most haunted places in Tennessee from ghosts of miners, goatmen, and even murdered witches. If you read long and deep enough, you'll see there's lots of strange happenings around this area. But I am not here to tell you I saw a seven-foot-tall man with the head of a goat and hooven feet standing at the base of a train track tussle. But what I saw I still to this day can't explain. About fifteen years ago, a few friends and I, one guy who was a couple years older than myself and two lady friends of ours, were driving around one Saturday night looking to find something to get into in our small, quiet town. So naturally, of course, we came to the conclusion to do what all the teenage kids do that grow up in our county. We decided to go to Red Ash and test some of the legends, and boy, are there a lot of them. But those are stories for a different page. This one isn't about urban legends. This is about what I actually saw. We went to a set of train tracks that if you park on and turn your vehicle off that, somehow the car will start to rock and gently roll off the tracks. That didn't work for us, so we decided to head up the road to the cemetery to tell ghost stories. On the ride to the cemetery, one of the girls with us said her grandpa had told her on one of the unnamed dirt roads in Red Ash is an old abandoned graveyard where a lady was murdered and buried almost 200 years ago for supposedly being a witch. We thought what the hell and decided to go looking for this graveyard to see if we could find the unmarked grave. We turned down one dirt road barely wide enough for my friend's small car and drove down it for a few minutes when all of a sudden we're hit with blue lights behind us. And when I say all of a sudden, I mean it. Now, mind you, it was around midnight and pretty dark out, but we didn't see headlights or anything trailing behind us, just the burst of blue police lights. My friend pulls off the road as much as possible, and the cop pulls behind us and gets out of his cruiser and walks to the door. My friend already has his window down. It's late July and 80 degrees at night with no A.C. in his car, and he is waiting to be asked for his license and registration. The cop doesn't ask for. He walks up and looks through the rolled-down window at my friend and says, You guys shouldn't be here. It's dangerous and a bad place. Please leave. Now, I'm not sure about you guys, but hearing a cop say shouldn't and please isn't normal. Usually we hear can't and now, but that's what he said, and it threw my friend off, and he kind of stammered for words before the cop repeated himself. Please tell me you'll turn around. You shouldn't be here. It's dangerous. 
This time, though, my friend said yes, sir, and the cop just turned around and walked back to his car, turned off his lights and drove around us, continuing on the road. That's when I noticed he wasn't driving one of the Tahoes or Chargers they typically drove, but a Crown Vicks and an old Crown Vic, an early 80-square-body Crown Victoria car. It was so bizarre, but we didn't think much of it then. We just decided to head straight and follow him and turn around when he did. We followed him for a few seconds up until he went up the hill on the dirt road and went around a curve. Once we got up there past the curve and we noticed he was gone. Couldn't see any signs of his vehicle or anything. He wasn't pulled over off the road, so we thought he might have been more familiar with the road and must have sped up to get to the end of it. So we followed the road for a couple more miles, no sign of the cop anywhere until we got to the end of the road, and it ended in a dead end. The cop was still nowhere to be found. No signs of him passing us pulling off the road, which was barely wide enough for him to pass us while we were pulled off it earlier, and there were no roads connecting to this old dirt road. So many little weird things happened, and honestly, I still don't know what I saw or how to explain it. All I can say is that things are weird up there around red ash, and even now, I still listen to that cop. It's dangerous up there, and I stay away from it. A few years ago in my previous home, I saw a strange aberration in the hallway by my son's room. It looked like a hazy, distorted image of a humanoid figure. I did not think much of it and thought it was just my mind thinking something was there that really wasn't. I occurred a few times, but then one day I heard my son screaming and crying. I could tell from his cry that it was something serious and not him just being upset about something. I ran into his room and he was crying, saying that there was a big scary man in his room and scaring him. It was one of the weirdest and scariest moments of my life. I knew there was no one else in the house, but could tell my son was truly terrified from whatever had just happened to him. My wife was with me when this happened, and afterwards she told me she had seen the same thing. I had seen but also thought nothing of it. We had a spare bedroom by the kids' room where the grandparents stayed when they were in town. They also spoke of hearing footsteps at night and voices. I personally never experienced those, but that just made the whole situation even stranger. This was back in 6-7, not sure. I was between 17 and 18 year old. Me and three friends stayed the night out in the desert of Adelanto, California. One of them lived in a trailer in the middle of nowhere, which was fine because we were partying. Something happens during the kickback, and I, I get mad and storm off outside. I walk for a good five minutes when all of a sudden the hairs in the back of my neck stand up. I'm confused by this unintentional reaction to God only knows what. I stop walking. All wildlife stops with me. No more crickets. No owls. Dead silent. I look straight ahead to my left, and I see a figure about six or more. Move between two large cacti's, and I immediately book it. I run as fast as I can, knowing something is chasing me. I run inside the trailer and slam the door, while screaming bloody murder, and frantically am trying to tell my friends what just happened. They all started laughing, thinking I was nuts, 
but then out of nowhere you could hear a scrape running alongside the trailer, like claws on metal. Everyone freezes, and we spend the rest of the night guarding all doors and windows. After that night, it was never spoken of again. Has anyone experienced anything like this? Little background, I'm agnostic and pretty skeptical. I don't believe in really anything paranormal, but I was raised as a Jehovah's Witness, and the time of this story was during the late 80s, early 90s, mid-Satanic panic era. There was a lot of circulated rumors about this or that being demonics, and you had to be careful about what you're brought into your house lest you invite demons into your home. So I guess they're like vampires or bedbugs. Also, lots of urban legend stories, a lot of them involving Smurfs, like Smurf wallpaper stomping newborns to death in their sleep and the like. Important to understand is that Jews don't believe in ghosts or aliens or anything else, but rather than discount the stories themselves altogether... They merely blame them on bored, vindictive demons messing with us because they've been banished to earth. As they are fallen angels, oh, an interesting side note. Apparently, this eviction from heaven only happened in 1914. Not sure why God waited so long. Maybe it's like renter's protection and he needed to give them tons of notice and a free month's rent or something. But I digress. So, yeah, basically, if there was a J.W. Scooby-Doo cartoon, every ending would be the same. Now let's see who's really behind this. And they'd remove the rubber alien mask, the glowing ghost sheet, the dinosaur fossil. I knew it, just a regular old demon. Anyway, around nine, ten years old, I start being left home alone. Big family so didn't happen much. But when it did, I started noticing things from the corner of my eye around the edges of darkened corners. Only a couple of times did I notice a discernible shape. And it looked like this stuffed toy someone in the house had recently gotten. Black-furred, big-nosed, kinda goofy, yet terrifying in the right context. I guess think five nights at Freddy's style. Sometimes I'd get so freaked out I'd bolt out of the house with barely a jacket or shoes on and sit outside my house in the winter. I can't remember what excuse I gave when my family came home and found me shivering on the stoop, but I didn't tell them the truth. I even started to join my mom on painfully boring errands. Kids nowadays will likely fail to understand what hours of errands at the hair salon dry cleaners, the bank or Fanny's Fabrics is like without cell phones, or Nintendo Switches. At best, we had Tiger handheld games, which were typically less fun than simply staring at your hands. But I endured it all rather than be left alone with the demons. In retrospect, all of this is easily dismissed. Young mind crammed full of the idea that the world is teeming with demons out to get him, is left alone for the first time in his life, and his mind conjures demons out of flickering shadows. But it's what comes next. I can never hand wave away quite so easily. I'm about eleven-ish, I think, and I lose one of my last baby teeth. Maybe my last one, I don't remember. But it's a molar. J.W.'s famously don't celebrate anything, but there is few things that weren't forbidden. I just don't remember if we did the tooth fairy thing. 
I mean, I know there was no pretense of a fairy, just my mom taking my tooth and giving me a dollar. But I know I didn't get a dollar for this last one. Maybe it was too late in the game, being the last-ish tooth and being the youngest of eight kids. The kid tooth market was now incredibly saturated. She probably had a coffee can full. Technically, she might have even qualified as an ivory dealer. So I go to bed that night, and I have an oddly specific memory of putting my tooth on my bedside table on the metal base of my lamp. I wake up sometime during the night, and it's full, deep, silent, scary night. Not my parents are still awake, and I can hear them watching MASH in the living room night. It's one of those half-awakes, where your dreams are still a vivid reality, and you can effortlessly step back in them. I'm instantly aware of a large, bluish-white, glowing presence at the end of my bed. It's an angel with it's back to me, focused on something else. Which is odd in and of itself, is the only thing in that part of my room of interest was my Dick Tracy action figures. So hopefully he was bringing me the blank figure, because I couldn't find that shit anywhere. I don't remember if I could move, but I didn't. I was scared, but in an oddly detached, non-panicky sort of way. He became aware of me and looked back, and not in a malevolent way, but not kindly either. It was more of a cold, slightly sneering indifference. Then I just fell back asleep, which was obviously odd had it been someone innocuous like my mom in my room at 3 a.m. I doubt I'd have drifted back off so quickly let alone a potentially fallen angel rooting through my collectibles. I loved those Dick Tracy toys, and I was very paranoid and protective about losing the Tommy guns on those things. It happened to Jubby Powell of mine. His mom took them all their weapons, and he was left with a bunch of squat Lego grip-handed, suited old men with stupid hats. And who wants to play with that? But I digress again. Then I just awoke in the morning, but I didn't immediately remember the previous night's visitor. I woke, just like any other morning, sat up, but then paused during my crooked stretching as my rested on my molar, still on the lamp base, but it had been expertly cut in half. It was perfectly smooth, like it'd been done with a laser, and the other half was gone. I didn't immediately suspect my mother. Firstly, I doubted she had access to that level of technology, and second, if it was her, then where was my fifty cents? Only then did I recall the previous night's events, and as you can imagine, it shook me up. I mean, there was the spooky, paranormal aspects that would scare anyone, but atop all it was the sheer randomness of it. Nothing added up to anything. It was just an absolute casserole of nonsense. Now had the demon-slash-angel burnt a cockeyed 666 on my wall and left a steaming cauldron stuffed with Smurf merchandise. Then, okay, sure, I'd have been terrified, but at least it would have been on brand and fallen neatly into place with everything else I knew. But what the F did he want with half my tooth? I snatched up my half-tooth and went to find my mother. Not really expecting answers, but at least wanting someone else to acknowledge and share in this messed-up situation. When I found her, I didn't editorialize or bring up any of the angel business. Just handed it over with a, hey, look, what happened to my tooth when I was asleep. She examined it closely, but far too briefly, and handed it back with something like, huh, that's kind of weird, hey. Where's your father? 
tell him breakfast is ready. Her lack of astonishment felt suspect. I went looking for my dad with the inner monologue of a TV detective. No, I don't think she did it, but she knows more than she's telling us. I didn't even bring it up to my dad as my relationship with him was fraught, and it felt unwise to do so. More than likely, I'd have been blamed for it in some way, and I'd be interrogated about my cola consumption. So I sat on this info. I think I tried to bring it up casually with my mom again later, but again got nothing. A week or so later, it was missing off my dresser. I thought I maybe knocked it off or something, and it'd show up eventually, but it never did. Shortly after this incident, we moved to a new house, and I never saw the flickering shadow demons again. I never had any more issues with being left alone in the house. As a skeptical adult looking back, I can say, look, I turned 12. I got over my fear of being home alone, and maybe I conjured the angel memory from nothing after that tooth incident. But that doesn't explain the tooth. Remember the tooth. I could feel myself grasping for plausible scenarios. Maybe there's some medical test that requires an inner tooth test, so my parents took it. But then why not just tell me? Why return the other half? It's the whole issue with this incident, as even if you accept the existence of angels, demons, ghosts, or the chupacabra, it doesn't really explain anything meaningful. So yeah, that's it. I don't think about it often. But when I do, it still bothers me. So at the end of all of this, I just hope someone or something is waiting for me and they have with them half my tooth and some answers.